Hey everyone, Vicky McLeod here. This time, I'm speaking to Snorri Barron. Snorri is the agent and manager for several top athletes in the sport, including Sarah Sigmund's daughter, Gabriela Migawa, and BKG, to name just three. We talk about what Snorri does, his role as professional big brother, and his advice for athletes as they develop. That, and a lot more. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Okay. Pleasure to meet you, Vicky. I'm Snorri. Nice to meet you too. I feel like I already know you pretty well from your Instagram posts, actually. You're not not shy about telling people about your family and, you know, what's going on in your life. So I feel like I'm already, I already know you pretty well. I also feel like you're the kind of CrossFit guy that I want to hug. Okay, well, you'll hopefully get a chance to do that sometime. Uh, They're lifting the restrictions and uh, (laughs) I'll probably be in Mallorca at some point in time. That would be amazing. uh, And I'm a hugger, so feel free. I had a feeling you were a hugger. You look like a a prime hug candidate. Yeah, well, that's one of the things I've often joked about it that I missed the most after everyone started wearing a mask and... uh, social distancing and all of that just that human interaction that that meeting someone you you know and haven't seen in a long time and hugging it out that's that's what I'm all about Mm. so uh I've missed that where are you where are you today where am I speaking to you from I'm at my office in uh, the Reykjavik area in Iceland where I live and the business is called Backland Management Yes, Backland is an Icelandic word, but it sounds really uh, international. But it's an Icelandic word, and it, uh, it's your army. It's your back. It's those who have your back from the Viking ages. You were measured by your backland. It's uh, how, how big, how strong you were, how how big of a team you had was. Uh, that, that's your backland. So uh, I don't think there is an English word for it. it. It isn't army. It's like the whole thing. It's your whole backing squad. So mm. I felt that was a very fitting name for a company like this. Also being an Icelandic word that I'm proud of. Also having roots in my history and my nation's history. But what we do is basically back athletes up from every way we possibly can. So it, it is rooted in the name. It's a perfect name. I, and I think you're right. I can't think of, off the top of my head, I can't think of an English alternative. Be, because uh, army is a vulgar thing and, and it, it implicates that you're there to fight and conquer. But army is just one of the things that a backland is. It's mm. also your family and your support system. Well, support system is probably the closest way to describe it. But that's words, not word. The, but the closest I can get to is troop. Yeah, I, I don't understand that word, but mm. yeah, no, I'll send it over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. how, how would you describe what you do, Snorri? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I I do a lot. Uh, I, I learn. I work long days, and I'm constantly trying to figure out what it is I do. 
the description is athlete manager or athlete agent. I don't know the difference between agent and manager. Uh, I don't know if anyone does know the difference. I think it's the same thing being described by separate words. But in uh, in my field, it's basically just filling in where I'm needed. And that depends a lot on who I'm working with at the time, because people have different needs. They are some are fully capable at things that other others aren't. But what units or unifies everyone that I'm working with is they're athletes chasing a goal, chasing glory. And most of them need help with something. And that's where I place myself. I've just written down professional big brother. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like you, you're looking out for everybody. Yeah. That's what I tried to do. And uh, sometimes I overstep boundaries. And then sometimes I also come in as a surprise where I can fill in where someone didn't even know they needed help. So it's, uh, it's a mixture of all of that. I've been doing it for a while now. I've gotten the hang of it pretty well. You came from an advertising background. Yes. So how did you get into CrossFit in the first place? My CrossFit story dates back to 2013, I think it is when I just entered a CrossFit box that opened next door to the place I was working at and uh, signed up for a class and stayed there for a year. So I had no idea who the athletes in the sport were or, or anything, but I was impressed with both the, the progress I made and also the community that I became a part of and the friends that I still keep in contact with that I met there. So I was introduced to the power and magic of CrossFit without uh, having any business intentions. So I think that's a part of why I still thrive in it. But I have been in uh, running my own business since 96 or 97. I'm kind of old, as you can tell. <laughs> but uh figuring out different things. I was in publishing first, publishing a street magazine here in Iceland. And then I stumbled into advertising. Uh, I guess I'm a pretty creative guy. So uh, I, I could slot quite nicely into that. And one thing led to another. All of a sudden, I was running an advertisement agency. And still to this date, I am. Uh, in 2015, I had... I went through a phase where I, I was just growing disinterested in the groundhog day of work that the advertisement industry was uh, presenting me with. So I was looking for a new challenge. I was looking for something to do, even though it was on the side, just something that I could burn for, something that I had interest in and I had I thought I would have talents for. And at the same time, social media is emerging. And uh, I, I thought I could spot a few opportunities for individuals to really capitalize on building their social media profiles. And I figured I would offer this type of a service to people uh, that inspired me or I was interested in. So it wasn't necessarily only athletes, but being a big sports fan, I was never really good at any sports, but a big fan of sports. Uh, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I was uh, working with athletes. 
And then Iceland being the small island it is, it feels like everyone knows everyone here. And uh, in a way, it's true because it only took one mutual friend to uh, unify me and Sarah Sigmundsdóttir in a meeting. Uh, she, at this time, this is in 2016, where she was a literal unknown when she stepped onto the competition floor in uh, 2015 at the Games. By the end of the weekend, she was a superstar. So uh, that's, that's how fast these things happen. And what, what happened in, in the process was all of a sudden she had a sponsorship deal with Nike and a bunch of other brands, but wasn't really, didn't really know what to do about it. And the stress was piling up. She had duties she had to tend to. All she wanted to do was train. So she needed someone to, to help with this. And a mutual friend of ours introduced us. And I was coming in solely to help her uh, maintain her social media, to make better use of her social media, and to tend to those sponsored duties so that everything would be flowing and so that she would be upholding her end of the deal. And uh, very... Very early on, we, we realized that uh, we were a really good fit. We have the same type of humor. We, we get along really well. And, uh, uh, and, and we just became friends. Uh, and and th- that was the start of a beautiful thing that is still very much ongoing to this day. But through her, I realized that CrossFit is the place. Uh, that's, the, that's the land of opportunity. So such a new sport. Not that many in it, uh, not that many professionally applying themselves, at least not in 2016. So I started uh, making moves. I started offering my services to more athletes and uh, without even knowing it at the time or having any ambitions for it, I was all of a sudden the manager of a few athletes. And uh I've been trying to figure out ever since huh, what that entails, but basically it's to be someone that can be trusted. It's to be someone that they know that when something comes up, they can call me or even better, something doesn't come up because I was on it before it came up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, So that's in a nutshell what it is. And then I just picked up on, on dealings and everything. I've been in business for long enough. I've been in, I've been selling stuff for so long that that, that part of it comes quite naturally to me to, uh, to, to sell something or present a case, present a athlete to a brand that I feel fits well with that athlete and uh, knowing how to determine this personality and this brand that they fit while this athlete would probably not be a good fit for that brand, et cetera. So I do a lot of brainstorming ahead of the business. And uh, as a result, I'm, it's usually once I engage, I kind of know what the outcome is that I'm looking for. And more often than not, that's the outcome that I get out of it. How do you decide who you're going to represent? Had I? How do you decide? Okay, well. Uh, I always do some due diligence. Uh, 
the, the, the first factor in it is, is this a person that I do think that I can get along with? Is this someone that I, that I believe can be someone that I, that, that, that I build trust with? This is, this is a trust business. Uh, long before there are any financials in there or whatever, I need to be able to trust that this person is who I think it is. And this person needs to be able to trust me and uh, because I'm tasked with their career, their livelihood. I'm, I'm tasked with acting on their behalf. If I do a lousy job, then they might lose a deal or they might lose a big part of their income or, or whatever if I'm not doing my job properly. So there is res- responsibility in there that both parties need to be able to trust. So I usually don't start working with anyone until there have been a few months of piecing it together, of unofficially or on a provisional basis working together where there is where where the theme is basically to get to know each other and see if we fit well. So at the moment you're representing Sarah, Roman, Emma Lawson, mm-hmm. Gabby, yeah. uh, Sola, VK, mm-hmm. Sam Stewart. Yes. More. I know there are more. There are more. This is, you're putting me on the stand. And, I know. It's hard to remember I, I, all of you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really hard to remember. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm building a relationship with a controversial figure right now by the name of Ricky Corral. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. So uh, that's one of those provisional relationships that are taking place, but it's looking good. And he, he is... Uh, he he's surprising me in, in the way he applies himself. So I'm I'm pleasant uh pleasantly surprised at, at the fact that I, I have even been considering him. And I'm even more surprised at what he seems to be actually as a person, because uh it can be deceiving when you always hear about someone from somewhere else, or you read about them in the news or whatever. He isn't the guy. He isn't the bad boy of CrossFit. He is just someone who made a really bad mistake as a young man. And he has served his sentence and uh, is coming back uh, a more mature individual who knows exactly what the, what, what the penalty is mm-hmm. if he does it again. So uh, <laughs> I think there are, there are others who will attempt something like that ahead of him. And now, now that he knows mm. uh, by a personal experience what what the price is that he needs to pay for it, so it's pleasant. I'm I'm working with Kelsey Keel as well, the American. I'm uh, I'm working with Olivia Sulek, who is a, a young aspiring. She she was the fittest teen on earth, I think, uh, in the 14, 15 year old category a few years back. She was the second fittest teen on earth now uh, last year. So. It's a healthy mixture of athletes who are in the later stages and in the opening stages of their career. Are they, um, their needs different, even though, I mean, to be honest, they're, not, they're probably not that different in ages, but in years of experience, they're different. So, for example, Emma Lawson and Sarah are going to have two completely different sets of needs. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Emma Lawson is, uh, she's, she just turned 17. I, I don't even speak to her directly. I mean, it's uh, me and her family are, are communicating, her, her father mostly and her mother as well. So uh, 
And that's a totally different type of uh, relationship than the one that I have with Sarah or Gabby or, or any of them who I'm, I'm uh, slowly but surely getting to know very closely. And uh, I, I know how they tick. I'm, I'm yet to uh, really develop an understanding of who Emma Lawson is um, other than the, what I can see on the surface. And, uh, but it's evident just by the way she applies herself in training, just by the way she performed in Dubai, for example, that there is serious talent there and there is a serious hat on her shoulders as mm -hmm. well. It's, uh, this takes a lot of intelligence as well to, de to deal with the intimidation and stress and everything that comes with being a then 16-year-old uh, it, it's definitely something that is a uh, is a new experience for me. I, I haven't been working with uh, a teenager before, but it's been really pleasant, and uh, it goes into my bank of experiences. How do you think that what you are doing with the athletes is um, influencing the professionalism of the sport? I have no idea. I mean, the other agents we we speak quite a lot amongst ourselves and everyone is picking it up at the same time. I think we're all becoming more professional. Uh, if I look back a few years, I just shake my head and, and scratch it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's like the I, wild west. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. And I didn't have a clue what I was doing, uh, what I was doing. The, the good thing was that the others were just trying to figure it out at the same time. So I didn't look that bad in comparison as I would have if I would have been entering a sport that was already cultivated and already had so many experienced people in it. So that's what was beautiful about coming into CrossFit at this time. I had the opportunity to develop on the fly. I didn't have to be, I didn't have to know all the things that I know now then. Mm. Um, I think that that's probably true for most of us. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's but, quite exciting to be doing something that's so fresh and new though ex exactly and uh i wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to somewhere else mm -hmm. um which is my point that i had the opportunity because of it okay walk me through um how you go about representing an athlete to a brand what are the steps that happen if you were thinking about making a relationship between I don't know. For example, um, a shoe a shoe company and one of your athletes. Mm -hmm. This can come from so many directions because usually I have sensed that the brand might have an interest in a certain athlete, and from there it's people working with people. Uh, it may be a person on the other end that is just very approachable that is just willing to exchange WhatsApp messages and willing to take phone calls on the fly or, or meet up at competitions or whatever. But then in some of the brands, they are much more reserved. They keep, uh, keep more of a distance and they want things to be more formulated. So it's just different between each brand, how this works. And it's also different between each athlete, how this works. So there is no one formula or, or magic road to this, but it's people working with people. And it's, in this case, people talking about people 
I'm talking about working with those people who, who happen to like the brand and the brand happens to like them. So these conversations don't go far unless there is interest from both sides. And from there, it can vary how it is. I have a decent feel for what the going rate in the market is for that. There are parameters for determining the value of an athlete. Um, the most common factors being performance and, and ranking out, out of performance and then social media followers and the way the athlete applies himself or herself on social media. The value of an athlete, that's an interesting mm -hmm. conversation to have. I mean, was, I mean, if you're working with athletes, it must be, is it ever tough to say to them, right, well, this is, you're, you might think this, but actually you're worth that. Or do you have to give reality checks to people as well as nice surprises? I actually haven't because they usually get it by themselves. The ecosystem is like this for them. So most of the athletes in CrossFit are realize what, what this is and, and how it is. So reality checks, no, not really. Uh, it's, it's more that people get their hopes up and I cannot control it if you if you pulled off a magnificent performance and you got the spotlight on you, but then a few days later, someone else stole your thunder and, uh, and ran away with it. It doesn't stick. So this is always about timing too. It's, it's what happens in that present moment, which what, what can I take out of it and how much magic can I make happen in that short space of time? That's why it's, why I felt it's been really important to be at the competitions mm. because the brands are there as well and the conversations are taking place on the fly. Uh, for two years, I couldn't travel to America because of COVID and I really, really felt it. And uh, having been there now at the Rogue Invitational and again now in Dubai, no, in, in Dubai, I was there also, you, yeah, yeah. but at Waterpalooza, I mean, it was, it, it changed so much about uh, how I could apply myself to be there because after this many years in the sport, I know pretty much everyone or know of everyone. <laughs> and uh, it, it's easy for me to walk to someone and introduce myself. They, they probably have heard of me. They definitely know the athletes I'm representing. So it's, uh, it's quite easy to make things happen. If I'm there, if I'm present, it's harder if you're sending emails and text messages from afar. And also you can just give them a hug. <laughs> yeah, well, I gave quite a few hugs on my travels recently. So uh, that's definitely a part of it. With the networking opportunities that competitions bring, it's like you must feel very stressed um, and it must be quite difficult when you're torn between supporting the athletes and also trying to get around the brands and talk to them and generally shake hands. Did you, I mean, mm -hmm. Wadapalooza, for example, must have been a pretty tough weekend for you. Mm -hmm. Well, Wadapalooza is, that was my first Wadapalooza as well, believe it or not. Uh, I've been to most of the other ones multiple times, but Wadapalooza I had never done. So, and it was crazy. I, I know it was the biggest Wadapalooza ever, but it felt like a full-blown festival. Uh, it didn't have the competition vibe as much as 
many of the other competitions, you know, you're at a competition, but at Guadalupe, you're just there with a bunch of people having a good time. And, uh, there are more brands activating there than uh, than even at the games. I think uh, there were so many booths there. There were so many brands there. So it's at least an equal experience to that. And uh, having quite a few athletes there and uh, walking around, it's the beginning of the year. Many contracts being renewed. Many many brands looking for new athletes to sign. So yes. It was quite hectic, but it was a really, really enjoyable trip. And uh, apart from the fact that Sarah hurt herself, thankfully, not as bad as we initially thought. So her season is still alive. But apart from that, it was just a really enjoyable trip. And I, when, when I finally landed home, I had so many errands to run. I had so many messages to send and so much to follow up. So that's, of course, rewarding as well mm. when you know you've got too much to do rather than you don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, that's a luxury problem. And I, I still have uh, enough energy and, uh, and, and drive to, to, to continue doing this. So it's, uh, I, I love it. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't. You do very much feel like you were born to do this job, actually. I really feel that. that yeah, well, having, I mean. Having a good time. I have had reasonable success in it that, should prove to me that I have every business being there. And it's in our growth phase. It's, uh, it's constantly evolving. So it hasn't become stale yet. And I haven't lost the passion I have for going the extra mile in it. So while, that, while that's going on, then, then I'm just fired up from morning to evening. Can we talk about Sarah for a minute? I would really like to yep. know how she is. She's good. She just announced today that she moved to Alpharetta, Georgia, which had been uh, which had been one of the options she had been entertaining. She's been working with Training Think Tank for uh, since 2020, but things have uh, both with travel restrictions and then her knee injury, etc. So none of the plans that we made then have actually played out. And now that she was able to travel to America. One of the things that were playing on her mind were just to move from place to place and to, to roam around freely and just have some fun while maintaining a disciplined uh, training schedule. But after going there and seeing the facilities and uh, realizing how perfect the place is for an athlete that really wants to uh, reach their goals, to have everything in one place, to have... Uh, specific coaches for each aspect, a specific gymnastics coach, a specific long running coach and another sprint coach and, and strength, whatever it is. And then her main coach in, in Maxwell Hodge, who is a terrific guy who they get along great and uh, better yet me and him get along great, which that isn't helps. a given. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's great for me to, to know that she's there in that environment where there are no distractions and just training and sport all around her. When I was um, watching Wadapalooza, and sadly online rather than in person, mm -hmm. I was watching her struggle with um, that workout thinking, uh Oh, this is not going well. You as the agent as, and has a, as kind of the wall between her and everybody else must've 
received an awful lot of unanswered WhatsApps and missed calls and text messages yes, about did. what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And uh, she is at the status, arguably the most loved person in the sport. So she, there, there's definitely a lot of concern because she is not only this athlete, she is a person that just brightens up every place she goes to. And uh, everyone's day is a few percent better after meeting her. So it's a, it's a lot of, a uh, lot of thing, a lot of weight to carry around to be the, the source of light in so many people's lives. So when something happens, when, when she is struggling and when she isn't shining that light, everyone who, who is uh, in, on, in her corner feels it. So yes, I did get a lot of messages and <laughs> I've gotten around to answering most of them now, but <laughs> I didn't have any answers either no. at that time. And I mean, I was, uh, I was just as shocked as anyone else. The workout she was struggling in is a workout she's great at. Yeah, and, exactly. uh, it, she, she had done it in training, uh, albeit with a different type of a bar, but she had done it in, uh, in, in a better time than the time that won the event. So mm. she was feeling very confident when she went out there, but what happened was just uh, a mixture of fearing the worst and also just pain and not knowing what was wrong. So uh, when you're coming back off of an injury and you're competing this soon, it was also an internal struggle in her mind. Just should she quit? No, she can't quit because that's not in her DNA. So not knowing what was wrong was what was the biggest cause of all of this. And uh, in hindsight, when she looks back, it was uh, it, it didn't really look good what was happening there. Mm. But she wasn't there to win the competition. She was there to continue her momentum, to continue building her confidence, to continue getting that feel back because it had been such a long time since she had been competing live. And live competition is what she burns for. That's what, that's what drives her. So doing so well in Dubai as she did, she just wanted to get back on a competition floor again ASAP. Uh, what I can confirm is the injury or the injury scare that she sustained there had little or nothing to do with the injury she had before. So that's the good news. Mm. <laughs> so it's not a retorn ACL or anything of that nature, but it was the same knee and probably a reaction caused by uh, when she was slamming the bar on her leg to, to, to bounce it back. Uh, some swelling and some pain occurred. So that's, that's as far as I can go with my limited medical expertise mm. to, to explain it but no lasting damage and she's back in full training already. And she's got that smile back on her face. She's got that light again. So now just let's kick on and no more hiccups, please. Wouldn't it that weekend when backstage, I mean, like did your role turn from being, do you do does professional big brother kick in then? Is that when you really are going to be like protecting her and taking care of her? Or is it, it's very hard to console an athlete who's in that situation? Yeah, I mean, she knows I'm there and we know each other well enough that she can signal me and I'll come. Uh, I just stay in her line of sight, but I'm not 
trying to squeeze myself into a situation where I don't need to be. She mm-hmm. just knows I'm there. And that, that goes for all the athletes. I'm, uh, if they want me to, to be there, I'm there hundred uh, percent every time. Uh, but in a moment like this, when she is grappling with what is this, it's better that she speaks to a physiotherapist, a doctor or her coach than me, because I cannot offer anything other than just the fact that I'm there and that she knows that I care about it. Mm. But uh, so, so in a case like this, of course, I just want to go in and solve the problem, but how am I to do that? What I can do is just be there, be present and be ready to arrange anything that needs to be arranged, be it uh, an MRI scan or a certain type of a doctor or, or whatever. I just involve myself to the point where I can be of any service. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm super glad that she's on the road and uh, we're going to be seeing her competing this year. That's good news. Which, which um, semifinal will she be going to, do you think, if she's going Either to be one of the European ones. So she'll no, travel over to Europe. Yeah, because the, the passport determines where you compete. Mm. So uh, uh, and th- this rings home for all the athletes. Uh, Tia Claire will need to go back to Australia to compete. There will not be an exemption like last time where she can compete in America. It's the passport that determines it. So all the European girls and, and guys will be competing in either one of the uh, European ones, regardless of residence. Well, I'll be slapping your legs in one of them, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I fully plan on attending both of them. Uh, I'd be surprised if I don't have athletes in both of them. So mm-hmm. uh, I fully intend to be in London and in Amsterdam for that. Tell me, what uh, advice can you give to young athletes that might be being approached by brands but don't have representation, what steps can they take to prevent themselves from being exploited? Yeah, I mean, um, might sound cheesy, but call me. (laughs) (laughs) No, There are a few managers in the space already, and uh, from from what I can see, there's just plenty of good options. And uh, there are are lesser managers than there are athletes, so it, it has not become a competitive field yet. It probably will, but not knowing what you're going into, reading through a contract, which you are not sure if you're being undervalued or if this is the best thing that has ever happened to you. Well, if it looks like the best thing that has ever happened to you, then sign it. (laughs) But but be honest with yourself uh, first, what expectations you have. But I don't think there are many brands out there deliberately trying to make a deal that the athletes regret. It isn't like that in this space, but having someone who can advise you what's, what's the rule of thumb, what's, what's normal. uh, I mean, I'm happy to answer such a question without, without any strings attached to it. If, uh, if that's the case. And I think that that rings home for most of the, the managers anyways, it's by the end of the day, we care. We, we are not here. Uh, we, we haven't seen enough money yet to become completely uh, delirious and blinded by it. it. It's still at the point in time where we care about the athlete's welfare. And uh, it's not so much about uh, keeping things for ourselves. Or I, haven't, I haven't seen it like that yet. Probably will. 
as soon as uh, there's enough money of it so that we can start dreaming about uh, owning sports cars and private jets and everything, then that will change everything because uh, money makes you a monkey. That's an Icelandic saying. <laughs> and uh, I'm just waiting for that to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> money makes you a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> How do you see the sport of CrossFit evolving? Everybody is always talking about the, the, the evolution of it. And what do you think about the future of CrossFit? How do you envisage it being in five years' time? I have a hard time predicting it. Um, we, we have gone through very emotional times recently with a change of ownership and change of leadership and uh, things being moved backwards and forwards and all around So I have a really, really hard time predicting what it is. It is a special sport because it's built from a community of affiliates who are all preaching the same thing. And it's built out on, on, uh, on multiple pillars and all those pillars need to be there for it to be successful. And I don't know what the future entails in the leadership of the sport at the moment from my standpoint as an agent for competitive pro grade athletes i do believe that the it will evolve in a positive direction but there's still some ground to make up and this can go stale very fast if we lose the the professional drive and there will soon be need for it to be more approachable for people who are not doing it. Like most other sports, not everyone who watches football plays football, <laughs> a very, very small percentage of them. Not everyone who watches boxing or MMA uh, goes into a gym and trains that. They just enjoy seeing someone knocked out and they drink beer and eat pizza while they're doing it. <laughs> CrossFit is different. Everyone who is watching CrossFit does CrossFit. Mm. And that stems out of the affiliates who are all over the world. So, It's completely different, but if from, a, from, from a, a certain standpoint, it can be just as exciting as any of those other sports. If it's packaged that way, if it's broadcasted that way, and if it is made to be more TV friendly, more friendly towards those audiences, and I have a million ideas uh, about how to do that, but By the end of the day, it's not my call. It's not my, it's not my company. And uh, so I'm waiting just to see where it goes. I am positive towards it. But then again, I don't know fully what their plans are. What about the current debate about prize purses? That, that it's very um, that the winner gets a lot of money, and it's very quickly becoming very inequitable as it goes down. What do you think about that? Should it be evened out? I would want more for everyone. I think if it's evened out completely, then it's uh, it, it loses the competitive drive. Matt Fraser wouldn't have bothered to win it five times if uh, he wouldn't have been banking the biggest checks. So. Even out, no, I'm completely against that. But to have more for everyone so that everyone benefits from it, because today most of the athletes are, uh, are losing money by competing at the games. Mm -hmm. they, they, they pay a fee to compete. They cover all their expenses. Uh, 
Most of them arrive uh, a week or two ahead of the games. Uh, the international athletes to acclimatize, they have to cover their hotel costs, their transport, their flights, food, everything. Not nearly all of them have sponsors that help out with this or or most sponsored cover uh, a part of it, non, but not all of it. So there's still so much ground to be made before it starts feeling like they are professional athletes, uh, but they should all be because they are incredible. All, every single one of them that qualifies for the games are incredible athletes and they should be leading somewhat of a professional athlete life as a result. But again, there is no TV money. There isn't uh, the, the, the rules of the market determine this by the end of the day. And uh, CrossFit is a business that is run to be profitable. So there needs to be enough for everyone. It's a private business. It's not an Olympic sport. So it's in their hands to formulate it in a way that athletes can earn more. You know that... Uh, people, anyway, pundits say that the CrossFit Games brings more people to the affiliates. I'm sure it's the other way around. That the because before I started to do CrossFit, I'd never heard of the CrossFit Games. But yeah. when I walked into a gym and started doing CrossFit for myself, then I started getting interested in the CrossFit Games. And I wondered if you had anything to say about how the how each in, influences the other. I think it goes both ways. That's the beautiful thing about it. I think some of these athletes, be it what they do at the CrossFit Games or what they do 365 days a year that they display through their social media and, and do through, through other sources, it inspires people to start moving. And it, it inspires a lot of people to check what, what is this CrossFit thing all about? The females have literally done more for the evolution of what is a female body. What does it look like? What does it entail? The females of CrossFit have done more for that than uh, any of the other sports that I can think of in terms of normalizing the muscular female. So it's uh, there's a lot that has been gained. The games play a big part in it. The athletes play a big part in it. The affiliates play a big part in it. It's all a circular system that everyone in it benefits off of each other. Looking at your career so far, what would you say are your highlights? What would you say is like the, the your top five moments or top three moments? Okay. okay. Uh, as an athlete manager, it signing Sarah to Volkswagen was the was the achievement of the career so far because it's a brand that's not in the sport and it uh, it entailed a totally different strategy a totally different type of negotiation so for that to happen and we're, we are on the third year running now of of that collaboration so definitely something that i'm uh, i'm proud of uh from what I've witnessed as an athlete manager, but has nothing to do with business, is what BKG did at the at the Berlin Regional in 2018, mm -hmm. when he qualified, when he he grasped the fifth place 
He was so injured. He never should have been there. He never should have competed. He could have been damaging his, uh, his whole career. But the system was, if you don't do the, the regional, then you're out. You're not getting to the games. So there was no last chance qualifier. There was no sanctional like when we had, had that system. It was this chance and only this chance. And he just decided, okay, even though I'm probably going to die out there, I'm still going to do it. And uh, that story, it, it, it's been documented somewhere. He's told it on his own social media. And there's a video that, that describes it. That was just the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. And uh, knowing the ins and outs of what was really happening and in how much pain he was and uh, how he couldn't sleep any of the nights or any, that's just, uh, that's the closest thing to a miracle I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, so, so that's just to get to witness that, just to get to see that up close and personal and uh, to, to be a part of that journey is definitely something that just changes my perspective on life. The third thing happened today, but I can't tell you about it. Oh, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't but I can't tell you me. about it, but you'll know what it is in a, in a few days. And it's absolutely magical. And uh, I'm, I just get goosebumps thinking about you it. Tease, Snorri. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't talk about it. When is it going <laughs> to be? That's one of the things. You're brushing. <laughs> that's one of the things about being an athlete manager is if I can't keep my mouth shut, then I'm good for nothing. It's, when, uh, when are we going to know? Um, within a week, I hope. You'll never see it coming, but it's uh, it's a big the, story. Is this the heartwarming announcement you had? Uh, you were writing it is. about an Instagram. It certainly is. It happened today, so it's uh, <laughs> just a few more days. Oh. I when I when I put that out, it was because uh, I had received indications that this was about to happen, but then it happened today. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm under oath. Okay. <laughs> and finally tell me um i mean apart from bkg who sounds like a big inspiration to you mm -hmm. are there any other people that you um look to for inspiration or or you'd say are heroes to you either in or out of the sport as far as heroes are con concerned i have so many i i, I have so many inspirations that it, it comes and goes and uh i mean i Muhammad Ali was probably the one that when I just started digging in on him, mm -hmm. I didn't have internet. I, I had some VHS videos of his fights. Um, I'm a big boxing fan anyways, but it, it's, it's Muhammad Ali's fault. <laughs> you know, I, I had some VHS tapes as a kid where I was watching. And it was not only how incredible a boxer he was, but the way he talked. Uh, the way he could, no one has been ever like that. I, Conor McGregor tried it, and there are a few others that tried it, but Muhammad Ali, he was better than all of them at that. And there are still quotes from him that ring the same today as they did back then. And uh, so definitely, Ali, definitely. Uh, apart from that, so many and uh, it's something that comes and goes. So like with counting all my, uh, all the athletes I work with, this is the same. <laughs> my, my, my mind just goes scrambling. 
it'll be one of those things where, oh think about it later on when you're doing something else yeah. you think, oh, i should have told her about that one i should have told her about that but, one. but uh, out of the group i represent there are some uh, incredible individuals there uh gabby who you know I remember it was the time I met her for the first time, uh, 2019 uh, at the Dubai CrossFit Championship. Mm-hmm. There, it was a max clean and jerk event. And the bar, she was doing a heavy lift. I think it was 108 kilos or something. And she had the bar placed where it seemed to uh, to, to hit a nerve or, or block her oxygen. So she fainted. And yeah. uh It was it was a crazy scenario, and Sam Briggs came running and helped out with it, so she didn't injure herself. Backstage, Gabby was uh, disappointed, so she sat for maybe five minutes or something, and uh, shed a few tears, and then she just stood up, and it, it was out of her system. Mm. Went into the next event and crushed it. So that was like, okay, wow, talk about a strong mind. Talk about being able At this young age, she was 20, 21 maybe. And uh, to, to be able to do that, to channel all that, to get that, uh, get the bad feelings out of the system in a few minutes and then just game face on and keep on going. I was really impressed with that. Uh, Roman Krennikov, pretty much everything Roman Krennikov does impresses me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has more perseverance, he has more willpower, and he has got, he's got more threshold to pain than anyone I've ever seen. So uh, he, he is definitely an inspiration, and I'm grateful to have him in my life. Uh, and, and the same rings for all of them. Sarah, there are like a 10,000 things that Sarah has done or said or, or whatever that have just blown me away. So one of the reasons for why I'm so engaged is the people I'm working with inspire me on a daily basis. It's a privilege. They inspire the world and I get to speak with them every day, multiple times. So uh, that, that's, that's a part of the fuel that I have and definitely an inspiration for me. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to ask you about what you were listening to at the moment, if there was any audio or podcasts that you were listening to that you would um, recommend people listen to or anything that you use to inspire others with? Okay. I, I arrived late in the podcast game. Uh, so I've been doing just some digging backwards. I, I have a tendency to become hooked on a person and then I just listen to everything that relates to that person. So I, I've been doing some digging Jordan Peterson has been very uh, fascinating to me. I may not agree with every single word he says, but I like his way of thinking and the way he dissects every single thing and he challenges the good and the bad and the ugly in every situation. I, I find it healthy to uh, to look at things from more sides than just one. So he, he is someone who I... I I really like, but I'm, I haven't gotten that far with him yet. I'm, I'm still just on the surface. I've listened to Joe Rogan for a while. Mm. And, uh, uh, I hope they don't cancel him because I love that guy. <laughs> uh, and then Seven has been coming in very, very strong. And uh, not only the CrossFit stuff, it's, he has brought some really interesting people that have nothing to do with CrossFit into uh, into interviews and i feel he's doing a really fresh job at it 
it's like a mixture of Joe Rogan and Howard Stern. It's uh, you never know what the next question will be, how, how seen it will be. That's true. It's also a bit like a car crash that you can't stop watching. Yeah, I mean, I'm just waiting for him to go over the line so that yes. I ha so that I we can't get back from it. But he hasn't yet. So well, then, well, I don't know what else. I listen to a lot of music, so uh, I, I I continually have music in my ears, and uh, I have a music background. You're a rock guy. Yeah, I'm a rock guy. I listen. Uh, I'm listening to Tool right now, almost singularly Tool. And nothing else and it's wonderful but uh i'll grow bored of that and, and listen to something else shortly i'll check them out <laughs> yeah i recommend it it's quite heavy but it's not that heavy is it angry yeah but it's it's uh, complex it, it's um, uh, largely instrumental so oh. for training or for uh, going on a long walk or whatever it's it's a perfect it's a perfect thing to have in your ears When you're thinking about something else and you just need a soundtrack to it. Heavy rock is good for um, weightlifting and running. Yeah, in, well, my opinion, in my experience. It's good for walking and thinking and everything else too, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> okay, so your, your top tip at the moment is Tool. Tool, yeah. But it's an old band, but they're still active. But uh, it's a legendary band. For, for anyone who is who is semi-deep into rock, they will uh, attest to Tool being one, one of the kings. Okay, well, on that brilliant note, Snorri, I'm so pleased to finally get to meet you. My daughter is very excited to, um, <laughs> to know that, because we've talked about you a lot on our car, our car journeys to school and back, because she's fascinated by your name. <laughs> she, wants to, she thinks Snorri is a... Snorri, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Be able to do that. <laughs> she can. She's fluent in Spanish, so he, she's quite good at the R's. Yeah, the, the Spanish can do it. When I lived in America, all the Mexicans could pronounce mm. my name perfectly. So I'll get her to uh, to practice on you when she when you finally make it to Mallorca. <laughs> yeah, I hope to do that at some point this year. I hope to. No, it'd be great. Maybe you <laughs> can include it in your semifinals trips. Might yes. Uh, th this is all a big fuss to me yet. I have mm. no idea where I'm flying to next. I'm ho I hope I'm in Iceland for a few more weeks, though, because it's been kind of nice to be home for a little while. Yeah, I'm sure. But it's, um, yeah, you can't stay all cozy and warm in your backland management office for the rest nope. of the year. You have to get your ass <laughs> down to the competitions. And yeah, I, I have a feeling that um, I will be... 150 days plus somewhere else than in my home that's uh i have a feeling that that will be the case well i'm <laughs> sure we'll see each other on the road definitely thank you snorri and congratulations to roman on your visa the 2022 season just got really interesting If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review, subscribe and share with your friends. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.